In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in Romans chapter 7, St. Paul writes, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing we hate. This should be relatable, because this is the experience of all of us. How many times do we resolve to clean up our bad or unhealthy behaviors only to fail and end up doing the very thing we know is not good for us? I know that I don't need that second donut and it's going to be bad for me. It's going to have bad consequences, but I'm going to eat it anyway. I can't resist. Right? We might resolve to clean up our language, but when someone cuts us off in traffic, the profanity is going to fly. We say that we're going to control our tempers, not get so angry so easily, but on a bad day when we're tired, the bad words are going to fly. We do the things that we should not. We even do the things that we hate, the things that we even hate about ourselves. But we must remember that this all comes on the heels of Paul's argument in Romans chapter 6, where he says that we are all baptized and become the children of God. He says there, we have died and been made new. And in our baptisms, we are no longer enslaved to sin. We have a new identity altogether, not slaves of sin, but slaves of God and slaves of righteousness. Yet here in Romans 7, Paul goes on to write, I am not enslaved to sin, but when I look down, I see that I still sin. I do that which I know is against God's law. And this is the question. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us that we, no longer slaves to sin, daily sin? Daily return to sin. How is it that we are both slaves to righteousness, but also people who sin daily in thought, word, and deed? Well, this is what Lutherans sometimes call the simul, from a Latin phrase, simul justus et peccator. And this means that in the world, we are simultaneously justified and sinners. You are at the same time made righteous while also at the same time a sinner. And understanding this will help us to see two things. First, the weight of sin and just what sin is within us. And secondly, what it is that makes us righteous. In Romans 3, Paul says that we have all sinned and that we have all fallen short of God's glory. Sin is everywhere in humanity. Sin is everywhere in the world. No one in the world is innocent. But the weight of this sin is not just simple moral failings. It's not just eating too many donuts. It's not saying too many swear words. Rather, this sin is total corruption. This corruption is so total that it's tied into our very being, our hearts, because every decision we make, every appetite and desire we have, all of who we are is touched by sin. And because all of us, body, mind, and heart, are corrupted by sin, we simply cannot be righteous on our own. We are unable on our own to fear, love, and trust God above all else. In fact, on our own, we are quite helpless when it comes to faith. And this sin, this corruption, is what St. Paul often calls the flesh, or the old Adam, the old man. It's this corruption that we are born with. The Catholic writer G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton wrote that this is the easiest Christian doctrine to defend. 
Because you can't go anywhere in the world and not find the devastations of sin. There's no household, no family, no society, no nation that is pure, selfless, and God-fearing. doesn't exist. Every place that is filled with people is going to likewise be filled with sin. Even when you're around children, it's evident that sin is everywhere. Because when you are around children, you know that the very moment they're able to speak clearly, they'll reveal that they're a sinner to you. From the moment that they're able to control their feet and their fist with coordination, you'll see how they'll use those feet and their fist in sinful ways. Even in little children, we find sinners. You'll tell them no, and they will disobey you. And sometimes they'll disobey you only because you told them no. Right? Little children will hit, kick, bite, throw tantrums, be selfish, and so on. We all know that. And the thing is, none of this is learned behavior in children. Children are not born blank slates. Rather, they're born sinners. At every age, this is true. You can go to a kindergarten class. You can go to a nursing home. You can go to any workplace in America, and you'll see it. Everyone's walk in this life is touched by sin. And that happens from day one. Everyone's heart, everyone's decision-making is corrupted by sin. And so in this life, even Christians live with the reality of this corruption of sin. That doesn't mean that we're compelled to sin any longer, because truly in baptism, God gives us his spirit so that our hearts do learn to love and trust him above all else. But simultaneously, it means that this corruption we were born into hangs on to us. It is said sometimes that the old Adam is drowned in our baptisms, but that old Adam is a good swimmer. Or sometimes said that the dead flesh of sin clings on to us even after we're made new in baptisms. And so every day we deal with this reality. The sinful flesh is clinging to us, and we deal with the corruption of sin in our lives. You, I hope, have noticed this in your, in your own life. You are indeed a sinner. You sin every day. And that's not just to say you have moral failings every day. Rather, that is to say that every day your heart will put its trust into something that is not God. Right? And that's why we stand here together each Sunday and confess that we cannot live the life of faith on our own. Left to our own wills and abilities, we put ourselves right back into the bondage of sin. We stand here each week and confess that we are spiritual messes. We do the things we know not only that are wrong, we do the things that we hate. We are split between knowing what God wants us to do, knowing what it is to live as a child of God, and actually doing it, actually putting our bodies into practice as people of faith. And so in Romans 7, this is what Paul means when he says, my mind and my members are at war. But notice in what Paul is going to say in verse 20. He says, now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Paul's making a distinction for us because we are in fact no longer defined first by being sinners. Something else is making us who we are. Indeed, we still sin, we live with the reality of the corruption of sin, but we're not reduced to being only sinners. Something else is happening to us. And that something else is what Jesus Christ does for us. Who will rescue me from this body of death, 
St. Paul asks, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus has rescued us from this body of death. He has rescued us from the total corruption of our hearts. And he does this, we know, by taking our sin on the cross, bearing it onto himself, and taking it off of us, so that the guilt of our sin is no longer ours, but the guilt belongs to him. Thus we are, in fact, rescued from it. When we put our faith in him, he takes that sin from us, and he makes us righteous through our faith. And so this understanding that you're both sinner and justified entirely by Christ is meant to be a great comfort to your soul. It doesn't sound like comforting words to remind you that you are a sinner, but that's what Paul means to do here. Because what Paul does not want you to do is to try to find your salvation by looking into yourself. Don't say, I'm getting a little better each day. Don't say, I'm getting a little holier every day. I'm getting a little more righteous. I must be making God really happy by how good I'm being. Because as soon as you begin to place your hope in yourself or in your progress or in your ability to progress in the faith, you'll begin to notice in yourself that in fact you do what you hate. Even St. Paul, who I would guess was much stronger in his faith and lived a much holier life than any of us, looks into himself and he sees sin. And so when you look into yourselves, when you really examine yourselves, you are going to find a sinner. You will see the sin in yourself. And if you put your hope in yourself, you will always live on the cliff of despair because you're only one major sin away from having your illusions shattered. Often when preachers preach on Romans 7, they mention Alcoholics Anonymous because the first step in AA is to admit that you are powerless over alcohol and only a greater power than yourself, that is God, will be able to give you the true care that you need to move forward. Likewise, we as sinners know that on our own, we're powerless against the sinful flesh, because every time we look in, we're going to see sin. And so it's precisely because you are a sinner that you must put your hope in Jesus Christ alone. Hold on to his promises. That saving word has to come from outside of you. Because if you try to find it in yourself, you're constantly going to be finding sin, constantly going to be finding the ways in which you fail. And so instead of holding on to something in yourself, hold on to Christ and what he has done for you. That's something to hold on to, to hold on to that promise that you are forgiven. That is the walk of faith. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus puts the promise like this. Come to me, all you that are weary, are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the promise to hold on to when you recognize that you're a sinner. When you get fed up with yourself, when you realize you cannot get away from the corruption that remains in you, when every day you find that you're doing the things that you know are wrong, even the things you are, that you hate about yourself, hold on to that promise and go to Christ and say, Christ, you take this burden from me. I can't do this on my own. Can't bear this burden. I can't get myself out of this mess. I need you to do it for me. 
And as he promises, he does. Jesus carries every burden for you so that it's no longer your burden to bear. And so we don't hide from the reality of our daily sins. We don't soften them. We don't say, well, sin is no big deal, because it is a big deal. But the good news is that it's no longer your big deal. So daily examine yourself. Daily consider your sins. And then daily ask Christ to take them from you. Daily return to all the promises he has made you. Daily return to your baptism where that old sinner in you is drowned and where you are raised with Christ. Who is going to rescue you from your sin? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He bears our burdens. Amen.